Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Neat Pour. This week we are getting to Sam Houston 15 year. So, you know what that means. Grab your drinks, sit back and relax, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to the Neat Poor Podcast, where we always drink the good stuff. Uh, this is a podcast that focuses on the beauty in the barrel. Nick is here. Echelon is here with episode 45. Hey, man, it's the Sam Houston episode. This is a 15-year Kentucky straight bourbon, 103 proof, 51.5%. Shalanda, how are we doing? We're doing great. Yeah. Um, we had Sam here 14 on the show. Yes, we did. And one thing I remember about that is that uh, it poured, it poured like a special whiskey, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it hit all the right notes. I think at that point in our journey, I was a little disappointed that it was 103 proof. Why? Maybe, I don't refresh my memory. Well, it was hard to find, and then mm-hmm. it was pricey when you found it, and then when you got it, it was 103 proof, and it had the elements of something delicious, but you know that proof point. Left me wanting more, you know. So you were feeling unfulfilled. I wanted it to be richer and denser, mm-hmm. but that was early in my journey, you know. So what do you think now? A year removed, I think in general, my palate has more of an appreciation for one hundred three. I mean, we drink all the time now, you know. You know, so this goes to back what I, you know, when I tell people about bourbon, never trust your first sip because you can go back and drink that same bourbon. Uh, a second or a third time and end up loving it. Yeah. I think the more I associated special bourbons with like a certain proof point, right. like, you know, like, and if it was lower in proof, then I questioned why it was so limited every release and why it was so expensive, you know, things like that. I don't think I do that now. Yeah. You know, I think now it's like, all right, I'm kind of into the fact that it doesn't, you know, burn my, burn my palate all crazy. Yeah, at 127 proof. Like I can cruise with it. You know, I can enjoy it more often. You know, it's 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 you know, it's more of a sipper. I think that's what I appreciate about it. The fact I'm not big on the whole proof thing. Um honestly, guidance is doing and changed my mind about that. You know, coming in at 80 proof is a nice light sipper. So now when I go in and I look at these different type of bourbon whiskeys, um, and I look at the pre- proof points, like, ah, uh, you know, I'm just gonna take it for what it is. Um, is it giving me the flavor is it giving me the vibe um it doesn't necessarily have to always be big for me you know so when you look at the top selling uh bourbon in the world jack dan uh, not jack daniels that's the top selling whiskey in the world uh the top selling bourbon in the world uh jim beam white label jim beam white label is only like 80 proof Mm. you know you look at the top selling bourbon in america that's uh evan williams black label that that can't be no more than eighty six proof, yeah. you know. And then, like you said, I think uh, the bourbons. I keep wanting to call them beers, but <laughs> <laughs> bourbons like guidance, or and even in the same category for me, uh, baby Saz, mm-hmm. You know, ninety proof, eighty five proof, big flavor. You know, they're small, but they're not watered down. They're yeah. just small because they have a lot going on, right? You know, so that when you look at the category from that standpoint on one end. Then you can start to appreciate. Oh, shout out to Wild Turkey too, because I think Wild Turkey One Hundred One is amazing mm-hmm. at one hundred and one proof. 
Um, but yeah, you, you make the rounds and then you come back to something like Sam Houston coming in at 103 and you're like, hey, you know, I'm a little more mature now and I kind of understand the intent here instead of being, you know, all butthurt that it's not, you know, this big, insanely big fucking uh, product. So, yeah, I want to point that out coming out the gate. We'll come back to that, though. Um, I did have I don't have much in the way of news, but I did want to shout out, you know, Uncle Nearest, one of our favorite topics to discuss. Of course. You know, we've had it on the show. Um, it kind of sparked our trip down south, even though we didn't make it all the way to Shelbyville, Tennessee. Just so close. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were so close, you know. But, um, you know, uh, Fawn Weaver, the CEO, she made the rounds mm-hmm. as part of a thank you tour because they, you know, they exceeded their numbers, you know, and they she went around and flew to the top cities that her whiskey was sold, you know, just to sign bottles and, you know, meet uh mixologist and say thank you and you know just kind of celebrate the fact that Uncle Nurse is doing so good. Um so she made a stop in Chicago and that was in between stops between St. Louis and Phoenix. She's landed in Chicago for a couple of days. Stopped at uh Kimbark, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. They they always act weird over at Kimbark. Yeah. I like to support black business, but you know, they um, you know, that's a tough that's a tough nut to crack. Unless you see them all the time, they're they're a little standoffish. So that's the oh, but she was at Kimbark, and uh, she had a, she had a couple other places that I wanted to know if you knew about. Um, so one of them was in the West Loop. I had never heard of it. It was one of the restaurants that first picked it up. Um, we'll come back to that. But speaking of the Fawn Weaver's story, um, I sent you a little blurb that I saw mm-hmm. about the origins of how uh, Uncle Nearest all came to be, mm-hmm. and apparently. Um, it's got some ties to Jack Daniels, surprisingly, right? Surprise, surprise. But I mean, it was deeper than I knew. So a couple things. Uncle Nearest, um, before they got their distillery off the ground, is actually being distilled at like five different locations. Mm-hmm. And I think three of them she, she's not allowed to talk about. Um, but even deeper than that, um, the she bought the original Jack Daniels distillery. Right. And the person who sold her to Jack Daniels distillery, this real estate agent, used to work at Jack Daniels for 31 years. Right. You know, so the, the person that formulated recipes at Jack Daniels for 31 years retired and hey. became a real estate agent. Hey, that's not like what I did. <laughs> and so fun. We were the old Jack distillery. And then she kind of, you know, I don't know if she was serious. She made a comment like, hey, if, you know, if you ever, if you ever get back into, you know, the whiskey game, let me know. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that's what this lady did. And this lady now, is part of the uncle nearest story, you know. Good for her. So good job by her. Let me see if I got this right, man, because this was actually a pretty cool story. So um, she was the director of whiskey operations for 31 years at Jack Daniels. Her name was Cherie Moore. Mm-hmm. So um, she quit, became a real estate agent, like we said. And um, yeah, so when uncle nearest got on board, you know, they do something called the uh, dia. I'm gonna butcher this. Diatomaceous earth filtering. It's a common process in wine, but not so much in whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, the story of Jack Daniels goes a little bit deeper than I actually ever knew it did with, oh, wow. with relation to Uncle Nears. So um, just wanted to shout that out, man. So anyway, man, uh, back to Sam Houston. Now, Sam Houston is uh, part of the same crew that produces, what, the Calumet Farms, right? Right. 
So you've got a what came in? It's bottled by Three Springs Bottling in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah, there's a bottle of Kayamet Farms 12 year in a bar. Yeah. On the North Bar. Maybe 14. 14. Yeah, 14 year on the North Bar. It's uh, bottled by Three Springs for Western Springs. Okay. So um, this is a level four char, white oak barrel. The mash bill is 74.18.8 and it's distilled and aged in Barstown. Mm. Yeah, now this is Illinois batch. This is Illinois batch two, mm-hmm. um, and it's 15 years old. So, uh, what I will say about this is that I think it pours it like pours like velvet. I get my nose in here, and it's the same effect. And I'm gonna figure out what this smell is for the life of me. But I am getting that sensual. Lando Lake's buttery feel. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of when I opened one of those B-Tacks or anything older from, um, huh. or like when I opened, when we opened Parker's Heritage or even, um, what do you call it? The, uh, your boy, your boy Ray, uh, St. Cloud. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, when it hits a certain age, it's, it tastes, it smells like something. So I didn't, all right. It smells like a pastry that I reheated in a pan. So when I was in Avondale in my own place, I didn't have a microwave. All right, I remember so that. I, I heated everything oh, in pans. I remember that. Oh my god! So if yes. I had if I had an apple pie or if I had a you know some kind of pastry and I wanted to warm it up, I warm it up in a pan. You know, it caramelized a little bit. It reminds me of that spell. You know, and that's the only thing I can describe it as like a like an apple turnover that was too cold. And you warmed it up in a pan with a little butter. That's that's what I smell. So, and by the way, he still wants shit up in the pan over the using the microwave. You know, I like I like the char. You know, what do you want me to? Do? Oh God, I need to be burnt. What do you want from me? You know. <laughs> but yeah. no, I'm I'm digging this. Um, that it hits you on the nose. Um, it's like wow, it's like it's all in your face. But when you give it the taste, it's giving that buttery toffee, um, caramel vanilla vibe with some oak. Eighteen percent rye. So it shows up just enough to clean things up. Like there's a little spice, but for me, it doesn't get in the way of that. No. Of that um of that pastry ride. It's not quite a, a decadent dessert like an apple turnover. It's more like a a pastry ride in the way of like something like a brioche based pastry, right? Like a um, you know, like a croissant. I can appreciate this because it's allowing you to taste all the flavors. You know, sometimes you get a bourbon and it's just one that just that spice is just too much and it's overpowering the, the natural flavors. This one here is just enough spice and you can just taste it all, like especially in the mid palate. Yeah, I think um, that's what I like the most about it is that when the alcohol goes too high, like, for example, um, let's say Maker's Mark, right? Like, let's just say the cash strength Maker's Mark, you know, the Black Bourbon Society one we got, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no actual, there's very little... Uh, there's no rye in it. It's wheat. It's a wheat. It's a wheat bourbon. Mm-hmm. But the alcohol, when it gets so high, it kind of comes off as like a cinnamon type of spice, or maybe like a hot ginger kind of spice, or sometimes a rye spice. Mm-hmm. Like I think since the I could be wrong, but since the proof is kept in check, and it's such an old whiskey that eighteen percent on the um at eighteen percent rye just plays so nicely in in the final product. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no sharp edges here. 
I agree. So that's what makes it special to me. And honestly, I'm not sure is this something I would appreciate it a year ago. I'd have been like, fuck this, fuck this product. It's uh, 103 proof. Um, it's 100, what is it? Like, I don't know, 130 bucks or some shit. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I would appreciate it a year ago, but now I can understand the importance of having something special like this. This is definitely my jam. So you can say you have bourbonly matured. Yeah. So, you know, not so much, maybe just a little bit of, maybe a little bit of ripe cherry. But mostly just like kind of brown butter and, you know, like baked goods. Yeah. You know, so. It's giving me all the form of warm and fuzzy fillings. A little bit of pepper, a little bit of black pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic stuff from the Sam Houston crew. Um, what else can we talk about on this bottle? You know, shit. Enlightened by patriotism and guided by wisdom. So Houston, Texas is named after Sam Houston. Okay. Um, there's a ton of stuff on the side, but I'm pretty sure you could look this up. One thing I noticed about this release versus last year was that a lot of folks in the whiskey, um, like whiskey tubers all got a chance to kind of, uh, curate what these bottles would taste like. Mm-hmm. So they sent them all samples and then they got to try it all. Hey, how do we get put on? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, like, hey. uh, bourbon junkies or Chad and Sarah and, you know, Mashinger, all the usual suspects. You know, I think AZHD whiskey, the guy that whispers all the time. Mm. You know, they all got sent like a four pack of different ones and say, hey, which ones do you like? So, and I don't think they were doing that with the 14 year old release. Mm. So, um, I think with bourbon in general, you know, it's usually celebratory. You know, we opened up what old fits 13, right? Yeah. On our um, anniversary. But if you're looking for something celebratory to have in the stash, I would say, you know, I can't speak for the Calumet 14 or the Calumet 15. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I was, I think it was the 14 Calumet was a little smoky for me. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for something celebratory, I say the Sam Houston 15 would do you justice on the celebratory side of things. It tastes, it tastes like something that, that should commemorate a special event. Yeah. We got to think about our, our, our celebratory bottle for this year for our fourth wedding anniversary uh, down in a couple of weeks. So we're going to figure that out. Unless you guys have suggestions, hit us up. Yeah. And um, I want to know more about those brands because, you know, Sam Sam Houston and um, what, Calumet Farms? Mm-hmm. Because the Calumet Farms, 14 and 15, the 14 made a reappearance. Yeah. So in some stores, you'd see the 14 right next to the 15. But the Sam Houston 14 was long gone. It was, it was gone. It was good as gone. And only you only see the 15 floating around at, at select stores. So, um, yeah, man. This is one of the oldest whiskeys we've ever had on the show. And um, I'm a big fan. And I'm surprisingly a big fan of the proof point, too. I think that's mm-hmm. an excellent proof point. So a little self-reflection on this episode. So. He's retired. Oh, they grow up so fast. Yeah. So. So I don't know, Shalanda. I think that's all I got, man. We, I mean, that's got, about it for we, us. Got anything else? Um, not really. Um. Oh, shouts out to. Uh, I want to make sure I pronounce her name correctly. Uh, you. Lelia. Oh, you Lelia House from Chateau School in Country Club Village? <laughs> Small world. It's funny. I um, met her by chance. We were out drinking at a Bemiscuous, and then 
Um, we ended up going over to Delilah's together to have some um some amazing bourbons. And uh, she is the chapter president of Women Who Bourbon here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They also have a dinner coming up. Uh, Uncle Nears' dinner coming up, I think, on the 10th of this month. So I want to say shout out to her because she was really cool. You know, just as, as always a, a good vibe when you can meet up with other women who drink bourbon and beer. So it was like a two-one combination. I can dig it, man. I can dig it. Um, I don't have much in the way of bourbon adventures this week. I did crack open that three pack. We were talking about Jack Daniels mm-hmm. earlier. Opened up the three pack of Jack Daniels mm-hmm. that you can buy at um, at the, your local store for the uh, the small batch select stuff. So there's a there's a rye, there's a single barrel, and then there's a barrel select of Jack Daniels. And anytime you see the barrel strength Jack Daniels, mm-hmm. especially if you see it in three seventy five, I say you grab it, man. Like big uh, bananas, Foster goodness mm-hmm. in a glass. And um, one more note about Jack Daniels, and we posted this on the socials, that, you know, when they use that maple, that charcoal maple, maple charcoal filtering, mm-hmm. you know, it acts much in the way that Beechwood aging acts for um, for Budweiser beer. So Budweiser will tell you, you know, well, we Beechwood aged our fucking lager, but Beechwood aging actually strips flavor from their beer. And I think uh, the maple charcoal process on Jack Daniels is intended to kind of taper away some of the barrel astringency and taper away some of the some of the uh, nuttiness that they get on those products. So you're left with like a, a, a creamy or silkier product mm-hmm. and the results. So ch- charcoal filtering is supposed to remove that. So that was it for my for my whiskey adventures this week. All right. Yeah. So well guys, I guess we're gonna wrap it up here. And until next time, you know you can catch us collectively at thenipore.com. New episodes are supposed to drop on Mondays, but hey, a lot sometimes life gets in the way. Um, catch us on all the social medias at the Nipore, me individually, Alpha Beer Trick, and Nick. What can I find you? Hey man, I'm on Twitter, man, at Nicosio, man. And until next time, you never see your tagline. Like we always say around here, uh, don't get a divorce, just pour another drink. <laughs> Until then, peace out, guys. <laughs>